Library Marketing for Library Marketers podcast, where we will engage in informal conversations with fellow library marketers, industry and social media experts, and other marketing professionals on the topics of marketing, communications, public relations, outreach, and more in libraries of all kinds. Whether you are a librarian, a clerk, assistant, or in some other role, and a team of many or just one, join us as we share tips, inspiration, industry news, success stories, lessons learned, strategies, tools to use, secrets, and more. I'm your host, Katie Rothley, fellow library marketer, librarian, and artist. Thank you for joining us. Let's get started. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it, especially um, because you are like one of the premier library marketing experts out there. <laughs> thank you. I don't. I don't think so. But thank you so much for um, you know for uh, for labeling me that way. I appreciate it. That's how I'm perceived. Thank you. Well, I, I mean, that's the way I perceive you because you've written and published a couple books, and um, I have one of them here, right? <laughs> oh yeah, I, lo I love that book because the cover is so pretty. It's such a nice cover. It is, and I um I plan to get the wayfinding one. I can't wait to read it. So congratulations on your newest book. Thank you so much. Thank you, and and uh, thank you for having me on your podcast today. Uh, so for anyone who isn't uh, aware or familiar with you and your work, would you mind um, introducing yourself? Sure. Um, okay, let's see how it Okay, so uh, my name is Mark Aaron Polger. Uh, I'm an academic librarian um, at the City University of New York, which is known as CUNY. It's the public university system in New York City. I work at the campus um, called the College of Staten Island, and I am the coordinator of library outreach at, at the, the College of Staten Island. And uh, I guess I would identify myself as an accidental marketer, which means that I don't have any marketing training. I'm self-taught. Uh, and I think in all my positions as a librarian, I've been working as a librarian for about 20, 22 years. And I've been working in libraries for over 30 years. So uh, I think in all my positions working in libraries, I've always been involved with some aspects of marketing, communications, outreach, any type of like liaison work. And uh, so I don't have any like I don't have a like marketing background, but I think I've learned a lot on the job and I've learned a lot by reading by like I, I've I'm, I'm self-taught. So the library marketing book that you are holding uh was really like a labor of love and uh it's all it's all through both like practice and reading and learning and like working on the job and doing it so a lot of it it's it's all self-taught so uh yeah and so library marketing is a central part of my job i'm also uh as an academic librarian uh, a big part of my job is information literacy instruction, so I'm also an information literacy teacher. So I, I kind of balance both of those those uh, those identities, and I wear multiple hats. So uh, I would be I'm responsible for both internal and external outreach at at my library. So um, yeah, so I do I do a lot a lot of things. 
But I also do like traditional library work, like, you know, reference and collection development. So I still touch upon, I still do a lot of like traditional library work at an academic library. So sorry for being so wordy. Oh, no, that's okay. <laughs> You've had um, a long time in this field, and I can definitely tell like how passionate you are about sharing um you know not only your expertise or your the knowledge that you've gained al along the way but also just the passion for the work mm -hmm. yeah definitely uh i think i think the key is learning how to develop relationships outside the library and to make connections and to like raise the profile of the library by really focusing on targeting different messages to different users and really focusing on communicating the value of the library by slightly tweaking your messages to different target audiences and different specific groups both within the institution within the within the the library whether it's a public library or academic library and then outside of the library as well so that's why i've mentioned that i'm responsible for both internal and external outreach to really focus on raising the profile and raising the visibility of the library both within the campus and then outside of the campus and it's about it's about you know like slightly changing your messages to different different audiences bring up a good point and um can you talk a little bit more about targeting your different audiences for people who maybe haven't really um encountered that uh, statement or term or idea before sure um so i i work in an academic institution it's a public institution and it's the only public institution of um higher education on staten island staten island has is uh staten island is one of the five boroughs of new york city it's the conservative borough and um most of the higher education institutions are private so on staten island we have st john's university and we have wagner college and so csi or the college of staten island is the only public institution on staten island and I think I, I would say that as my role, I would try to, uh, I, I don't want to use the word like, I, I would craft or curate like different messages to different groups differently. So that's also known as positioning. So that means that, you know, my marketing or the way that I communicate my message is slightly different to faculty versus graduate students versus, versus undergraduate students versus, you know, alumni versus the community. So um, I would have different things that I would want to promote and I would have different messages that I would want to share, whether I am giving a tour to high school students or whether I am trying to promote the library to incoming first year students versus different disciplines, right? So, you know, psychology students have different needs and desires and wants than let's say business students. And same thing with, you know, full-time faculty versus adjunct faculty. So I, I'm working in an academic institution. So obviously um, we do serve the public. We do serve the community because we are a public institution, but we primarily serve students, faculty and staff of the college. So uh, there's just different different messages and different things that you want to selectively push out and, and promote, you know, according to the audience, right? So it's just it's just about being selective. You can't your your marketing can't 
please everyone. You have to be very specific, very strategic, and very selective. And, and also what's important is that um, before you engage in all these like fun marketing activities, there is a concept in my book called the um, marketing iceberg, the iceberg principle, which comes from uh, Ernest Hemingway's concept of the theory of omission, which just means that, you know, the mark, the marketing activities that library workers do, that's all the fun stuff. That's all the like the events and the promotions and the the materials. That's all the fun stuff. What needs to be done beforehand is studying all of your different audiences. That is the market research. And that means that, you know, you can't start doing all these fun marketing activities without understanding and studying your different audiences. So that's why you want to be able to identify your different groups. Those are known as segments. Right. And that's a marketing term. So I'll just use the simple word, you know, like your user groups, your different, you, you know, your different pieces. Right. There are a lot of different um, different. There is there are a lot of different people that use a library and they're all different. They have different uh, characteristics and they have different expectations and different needs and desires. And they have, you know, they, they want different things from the library and you have to study. You have to study them. Uh, before you before you spend all of this like time and money and labor and you know like you're you're developing all these activities and all the, and you're you know you're producing these promotions whether they're you know digital digital materials printed materials whether you're you're developing these events uh, you have to study these people before you start conducting marketing activities. So I think I think that's really important. So uh, you need to be able to to know who you are marketing to beforehand. And what I've mentioned in my book was that a lot of a lot of library workers have the best of intentions, but they do their marketing upside down, which means yes, you know, they're, (laughs) they're doing the marketing, right? Because they think that they know their, their audience, but they don't. And they, you, you, you need to study them for first. And I think that's the whole, the whole point is, you know, do the market research first. That would inform you how to go about conducting your marketing activities. And that's something that I've learned as well. So you mentioned um, market research, like what do you have to do to uncover uh, what your audience's various needs are and wants and, and, you know, how do you figure that out so you can craft the appropriate messages to to communicate to each different target group? Well, number one, ask questions. So like th- that, that part's easy. So there are expensive tools, but there's also like really affordable ones. So, you know, doing simple things like doing like focus groups, interviews, surveys, like like libraries do that anyway. So, you know, conducting either whether it's a telephone survey, whether it's a, a you know, a, a printed questionnaire, whether it's an online survey. Uh, we do mini assessments at my library. And I'm, when I mean by mini assessments, I mean like three or four questions. Like, you know, mm, and we do them on, okay. we do them on paper. We don't do them online. The reason why we do them on paper is they're, they're immediate because when someone is in front of you, 
and you know e even even during covid when someone's in front of you you know and they're 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 responding to a paper questionnaire we could input it electronically we could we can add it to a database but someone is not clicking on a link to go to an online questionnaire they're filling it out right away and it's mini it's like three questions so it's it's immediate so those are one ways um more expensive methods would be like semi-structured qualitative interviews on focus groups those are a little bit more expensive and a little bit more time consuming but they also glean they they glean a, a lot of rich data so having focus groups having semi-structured interviews but also conducting like um other types of sources so one one source of data that i would that is not necessarily primary meaning you're not actually um getting data from your library but getting mm. secondary and tertiary sources of data like pew research I love mm, Pew. Yeah, that's a good so one. Pew Research is great because you're getting like demographic data that really informs informs you about your community. So whether you're getting like census data, community data, uh, data, Pew Research, Gallup polls, Nielsen Nielsen ratings, you're getting huh? data from secondary and tertiary sources that really informs you about your particular audience. The ACS, which is part of the census, the ACS is the um, American Community Survey, which comes out every year, because this let, the census comes out every ten years, and the economic census comes out every five years. But if you're getting the ACS, which is a yearly, um, the American Community Survey, which comes from the census, the census website, that that gives you a lot of really wonderful uh, data about different communities. And getting that data, especially demographic data, can really inform oh, yes. you. It can inform you about your audience, right? So there are a lot of secondary and tertiary data sources, whether they um, comprise, you know, it's census data or community community uh, data or or any any type of survey data that might not be survey data from your library, but survey data from other sources, whether it's local, regional, national, international, that really informs you about your audience. So the reason why I'm recommending Pew is that. If you work in a public library or an academic library, you're going to have a lot of Gen Z. You, yes. you know, you're going to have a lot of Gen Z. You're going to have a lot of baby boomers. You're going to have a lot of Gen X. I'm Gen X, and you know, like, not not to give you know like stereotypes, but we don't want right. to we don't want to we don't want to stereotype our users. We want to actually get data that is reliable that can inform us how we want to conduct our marketing activities so use pew research it's free so but there's i mean there's there's also nielsen there's also gallup polls there's also sent like there's a lot of data sources that are that are reliable and authoritative that you can use that would help you in your marketing decisions i'm sorry for being so uh wordy oh it's totally fine and thank you for sharing all of those really uh helpful essential resources especially for um primary secondary and tertiary uh data so um you know if a library was to conduct its own survey how often should they uh offer the survey and what are the most helpful questions to ask 
Um, I would, so, you know, like a lot of times people do it like once a year, I would definitely recommend doing it more than once a year, but it just depends on staffing and depends on resources. It depends on your budget. Uh, you know, sometimes it's not that it's super expensive, but I think analyzing data, it, it could be time consuming and that could be like, that can take staffing. So it's not that it's expensive because I think that survey research is the least expensive because it, it, it captures like a really huge audience. It's like, it's pretty cheap, right? You're, you're able to collect data from a huge, you know, a a huge sample and whether it's an an online questionnaire whether it's a paper questionnaire you're gathering a lot of a lot of really valuable data now it might not be as rich detailed data as conducting semi-structured interviews but i think that like a you know like a questionnaire whether it is you know a telephone survey or a paper survey or an online survey however you survey your your users is 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 really great because it's a very really it's an inexpensive way of capturing a huge sample of participants uh so so that that's one issue i would always 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 recommend asking open-ended questions because you get Mm. like the you know get the most valuable results uh, and you get like a lot of richer results it's not that i'm against closed-ended questions but you know closed-ended questions are just like yes or no and that's not it's not really as valuable as asking open-ended questions and also making sure that your questionnaire is not too long because then people won't want to complete it so that's, that's why sure. my library we have we have a lot of questionnaires but they're short and they're mini and i mean like three questions four questions because they're done they're done within a minute so you know like there's no you're not gonna have like participants being exhausted because you're gonna have them quickly respond to this questionnaire as per your first question um we do i work in an academic library so i would say that we do questionnaires once a semester so uh but you know i think it depends and maybe in a public library you know maybe you'd want to do it once a year but you know you know it, it just depends it depends on a lot of things like you know ideally if if you if if you if you had the 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 time how about doing a questionnaire for every season because and i only worked in a public library for one year i've worked most of my career i've worked in academic libraries but in a public library my understanding is that every season's different so in the summer you have you know kids are out of school so you might have the summer reading club so i you know (laughs) so i think that like the summer would be different than let's say the fall or the winter for sure so it definitely is I, I think that there, it might be valuable to have, you know, a questionnaire for every single season. Ideally, that's just my, I, you know, I, but it, it just depends a lot. It depends on on a lot of different things. I can still hear you, but you're frozen. But it's okay. I yes. can still hear you. My camera uh, decided to turn off and I'm not sure how to turn it back on. It's okay. I mean, I can still hear you perfectly fine. So it's fine. Okay. <laughs> um. So for libraries that want to do like a paper survey, is it important to invite people to take it or do you just leave it out there for people to passively um, encounter and decide if they want to fill it out for you? Okay. So, you know, there's different kinds of sampling. So, uh, so there's, you know, like, 
there's purposive sampling where you are strategically selecting people, right? So I do that, meaning I I seek out people that are in the library. So that I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, but there's also convenience sampling, which is like, you know, like another thing too is like, you know, you're, you're sampling um, people that happen to be in the library. So whether something is, you know, purposive and strategic and you are purposely seeking out specific people, which I do that sometimes, or there's also convenience sampling where, you know, you're, you're sampling people who are also in the library. But also there is what you had mentioned, like leaving the survey out there and leaving a paper questionnaire out there and having people come and complete it. So that's another way. So there are different kinds of sampling. You know, there's there's random sampling, there's, um, and again, what I'm talking about is non-random sampling where you're being selective. So you're not, you're not trying to be, you know, you're not trying to, your data is not going to represent the whole population of the city that you're trying to reach. So if you are a public library for a specific city, you are not trying to be generalizable. You are just trying to get a glimpse of the users that use your library. Now, a big a big problem is trying to reach the non-users. How do you reach exactly. right? Right. No. So that, right, but because you're not trying to represent, you're not trying to be generalizable to the whole population of your community. My understanding at first is you're trying to reach out the people that use the library, right? Then you yes. can try other other tactics and strategies to try to reach the people that don't use the library. But that's like a whole other project. And, and that's something yes, that it is. Very, it is. It, it is difficult. And I think in having, you know, a paper questionnaire that you're trying to either passively or actively, you know, trying to survey people, you're not trying to be representative of the population, right? Because not everybody goes to the library. And, you know, unless, unless you mail out a questionnaire to every single address in that zip code, which is possible. Yeah. It is possible. I think <laughs> yeah. that's called it's, that's called it's called direct mail. Uh, direct mail is more expensive. It's just it's it more, it's a more expensive method for trying to capture you know the whole population. You know, and then if you get a certain percentage of participants, then you may you may be able to argue that it's generalizable to the population because you at least sent out. Uh, a paper survey to every single address in that particular zip code. But that is time consuming and it's expensive and direct mail, direct mail, which is, which is, you know, it's part of marketing is, is, is more expensive. It's a more expensive, um, you know, method than, you know, like co convenience sampling, you know, convenience sampling or purposive sampling, you know, there's also snowball sampling, which is, and, and I've mentioned all these kinds of sampling methods in my book where, you know, like you would want to, you know, sample to a particular community of, of people in your library, and then you'd want them 
to pass it on to you know to to spread the message right so that's called snowball mm. sampling right so where you're you're asking people to like to pass on the message which which i would which i would argue is like word of mouth marketing it's like yes. it's known as wam word of mouth marketing which is very powerful so because you know like sp spreading the message can be very very powerful the word of mouth can be very very powerful so i don't know if i'm answering your question and i'm sorry for going off topic i apologize that is totally fine. <laughs> um, kind of in the same vein, it's it's really interesting. And I talked about this with uh, Chris in the in the other episode. But, you know, I think a lot of us just assume that if we build it, they will come type of mentality. You know, the library is there. People will just come. They'll know about us. They'll come use it. And I think, like... Uh, especially now, there seems to be more effort into um, trying to understand marketing and how to do it properly because we can't rely on that old, old thought process of just being there. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and I think the reality, and I'm sure you know, is we are in some type of competition you know, with Google, YouTube, social media, Facebook, Wikipedia, we're 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 in competition with the internet, essentially. You know, and uh, this has been going on for like twenty five years. The internet, when it became popular amongst the general population, you know, people, the, the library was no longer the monopoly to get information, and people used the World Wide Web, they used email, they used news groups. Now, of course, I, I don't know, I don't know like what generation you are or, or but y you might, you might be too young or, or maybe you do. Millennial. <laughs> okay, that's fine. So, so you're, thank you. News groups, which was known as Usenet, news groups were in the 90s and they were like, like bulletin boards, basically yes. like, um, like online bulletin boards. And they provided a really great source of information, right? And I would say that news groups and even Gopher, Go Gopher is before the World Wide Web. And again, this is all mm. old stuff in the 90s. So Gopher's before the, you know, um, they provide a lot of information where the library no longer became the monopoly to, to get information. So like, in other words, the, the sad reality is if somebody if anybody is looking up a research topic, you know, like before the internet, the first place you go would be an encyclopedia. And now people go to Google, which is perfectly yes. normal. I get it. I understand. So I agree with you. It's not like Field of Dreams. I'm referencing that yes. 1988 movie. I think it's 88. That like I always Google think about it too. <laughs> yeah. Like you, 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 ha we have to be proactive because we can't assume that you know we open the doors of the library and they're just going to like they're going to like they're going to come Lock in to right us. um so i i think i think we're still valuable i think that mm -hmm. libraries are still relevant i think we're still mm -hmm. needed both our physical and virtual spaces um are top notch and really cannot be compared to, to Google or YouTube or Wikipedia or any social media. However, the fact that like you can go onto the World Wide Web and you can get information instantly, 
obviously it might be garbage information it might be false information it might be you know inaccurate it might not be credible it might be you know junk but the fact is that it's so easy to get instant information on your phone or on your laptop or your desktop so obviously that beats going to the library so we need to proactively you know raise our profile and increase our visibility to show that we offer you know a higher level service than google or youtube so it's all about it's all about you know pushing out our services and our super super high quality resources to show that you know we're we're at a different level than doing a google search i mean and, and so we have to be proactive we can't just wait for for people to come into the library and i think i think i can um comfortably say i speak for a lot of public libraries when I say that um, we're relying heavily on Facebook to do a lot of the heavy lifting for us because it's convenient and they have like an ad or a boosting service that you can pay for. And it's really nice because then you can uh, you can get specific in the target area or the age range you want to reach. But I also think it goes back to what your message is and crafting that to re to target a specific audience like you said before yeah and and also i i know facebook i know that the facebook ads you could you could create like the ideal like target audience and target market and i i i totally get it but Facebook is doing it for you. So you have to put trust in Facebook that they're they're really targeting those ads to the right target audience. And you could hopefully you hope that they're doing it properly because we don't have a, I don't know if we have a lot of control in that. Then you just you're like paying money and you're assuming that Facebook's going to do it properly. And I think it's all about the message. So, you know, crafting a message with, and I, 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 I'm not going to like dumb things down, but crafting a message that is highly visual, that users can connect to. So it has to be highly visual and they have to kind of connect to it, but not a lot of words because I don't think that people like to read. I know that sounds right. really terrible because we're we're like library workers yes. and, <laughs> and we work in libraries and whether we are, you know, like librarians or, you know, like library media specialists or library clerks, we work in libraries and it's really, I have to say, it's kind of sad to think that I think that like people don't like to read. But what I mean is that people don't span. like yeah i think what i meant to say was people <laughs> don't like to read large bodies of text online and yes we we devote a lot of our lives online i don't think people like to read large chunks of text online that's what i meant so in yes, other words I, like i agree like having as few words as possible having something that is highly visual and of course as per those design rules usually when you see a digital image it's usually you have to 
you have to like based on eye tracking um and this relates to market research usually digital images are viewed either in an f pattern or a z pattern now i think things could change things could change but normally the way that we look at web pages or we look at digital images is in the z or the f f pattern so you have you have to craft your message with that in mind so the way that you place your text the way that you make sure that your text is ADA compliant by having alt text, making sure that you don't have too much text, making sure that you have a really compelling image that connects and resonates with your users. So um, I think that that I think marketing can be a challenge, but I think it's easier if you ask those questions from your audience first so that that informs you so that you're doing your marketing properly. So, so then who, who would you say is responsible for asking those questions? Do you think it's the, the staff that's in charge of marketing or communications, or do you think that's the responsibility of the administration? Um, so that all depends on your organizational structure. It depends on um, your work politics it depends on your staffing models. Some public libraries have a marketing department. Some some public libraries have like marketing people. They don't have like a library science background. They don't have to, but they have a marketing background or they might have a journalism background or they might have a communications background. So your marketing communications at people, you know, number one should be good communicators, should be good writers. That's why I think like having a journalism background is good, but you don't, you don't need to have an MLS. You don't have to have a mm. library science background. Um, and so whether your public library has like a marketing department or so whether it is a communications department, whether it's called internal affairs or internal communications, external communications, external affairs, whatever the name is, you know, whether the department is called PR for like public relations or whether it's mm -hmm. called marketing, wh whatever it is, it's it's the same group of people. Right. It's like it's marketing people. It's PR people because, you know. PR public relations is a is a if and I, I have this in my book if marketing was an umbrella yes. PR, <laughs> PR, PR would be a spoke of the umbrella mm -hmm. it would be a spoke um, outreach which is what I do is another spoke of the umbrella communications is another spoke because marketing as a very broad general term is the umbrella and the spokes are the different parts right communications outreach you know uh public relations publicity that's another little spoke so mm -hmm. whether you have like a specific publicity department or a pr department or a marketing department to answer your question i, I don't think you need to have necessarily administration or um you know, or necessarily librarians doing it. it could be marketing people. So my my example would be for collaborations and co-sponsorships. My dean does it. My my chief librarian, mm. who is my associate dean, she seeks out those partnerships. Okay. Right. With, right. Um. I I'll I'll do the legwork, but she seeks out those partnerships and collaborations. 
I do a lot of the paperwork and I do a lot of the, again, the, the assessment and a lot of the like behind the scenes. So, mm-hmm. so in the way that my library is, is our organizational structure is very horizontal, not vertical. Uh, so in okay. vertical, in vertical, you have like lots of bosses, you have lots of like supervisors. So in my, in my library, we have about 75 staff, about 75 staff. And the 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 organization organizational structure is very very flat and very horizontal, which means we have one boss. That's it. Just the mm. associate dean. That's it. Our okay. associate dean is our chief librarian, and that's it. That's all we have. We have no other. We don't have any other like supervisors, and a, a lot of us have coordination. We have coordinating roles, but like I don't I don't supervise staff. Like I don't I yeah. I I coordinate like activities, but I don't supervise staff. I don't hire staff. We have we have one chief librarian, and that's it. So, but a lot of organizational structures are vertical. So they have a lot of different, like a lot of different supervisors and a lot of different managers. We don't have that at my library. So to answer your question, I think it just depends on the institution. So some public libraries have marketing departments. Some academic libraries have like, you know, like a marketing person. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm the outreach person. So that means that I... I'll develop, you know, the signage, the digital, the digital signs. I would update like our newsletter. Our newsletter is a blog, right? So we use we use like a blog software for our our newsletter. Mm. Uh, I update like you know, so I update like a lot of the different types of like the social media and the the messages, the messaging. Okay. So that means that um, when something goes on the the, the calendar of events or it goes on social media, or it goes on our slideshow on the website. I'm responsible for the message and the image and the, mm. and the promotion. And the, um, I think the, like the, the, the spreading of that information, the assessment. So the market research, the market research yeah. that informs, that informs us and on how we have to conduct our marketing activities. So that would be something that I would be responsible for. But I think at the higher level, at this strategic partnership level, I think my, my chief librarian tries to seek out those partnerships. So how, so how much time do you spend on the assessment part of your work? I think, I think that would be like the background research. So for example, we, before the pandemic, we would show monthly, monthly movies and we would show monthly movies to first year students for credit. So first year students would have to get credit called clue credit and clue credit was specifically credit for first year students and showing films specifically um, films with a, a, a social message, not just mm-hmm. regular ho- Hollywood films, but films with a social, <laughs> social message. We would show films, but the the reason, the, the choice of films would be based on the assessment that we would evaluate that would inform us of the kinds of films we would show. In other words, we would ask students to provide feedback on the kinds of films they'd want us to show. So we don't okay. just randomly, we don't randomly choose movies. We mm. would choose, we would choose films that are based on like assessment data that we would, we would kind of go through. So it's helpful. Like it, so they are not making assumptions. You're actually getting input from the students. 
Yeah, I mean, okay, I'm going to say that sometimes my my chief librarian will make assumptions and I have oh, to okay. I have to I have to remind her that, you know, it's it's dangerous to make assumptions because, you know, like a perfect example is you make assumptions about a library program or event and then yes. no one show no one shows up zero no oh one shows that up. happens more well, it's often because, than it's not. because yeah. it's because people make assumptions about they, what they think they think their users will love and they're wrong mm -hmm. of course they're wrong because they never asked so i mean that's a perfect example like if you have nobody coming to an event it's because you probably didn't ask them if they even wanted to have that event to begin with so you know i mean you know because again we make assumptions we have the best of intentions but we make assumptions and we should not be making assumptions so. well then we uh, so on that on that topic because i've been in that position before then i wonder if it was a good program, but maybe there was a competing community event or it just wasn't oh, the right time or. Yeah, we have that all the time. Yes. 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 Um, <laughs> so at my campus, at my campus, we are competing with other events on campus. Especially sports. Yeah. And there's there's nothing you can do about it. Right. Yes. So we have our events during club hours. Club hours are offered twice a week during a two hour period, Tuesday and Thursday from 2.30 to 4.30 when there's no classes. So mm, we, we okay. do offer, we, we offer a lot of library events and some of them are worth clue credit. And again, clue, clue is um, a, a, un, a unit or, or a unit of credit that is offered to first year students. So we offer things that, ha that, that are offered clue credit because that's an incentive, you know, for mm -hmm. giving them credit. And a, a lot of a, a lot of our events are on Zoom now, and amazingly, because they're offered on Zoom, they're, the attendance is higher. Obviously, the attendance is higher because there are no like geographical boundaries. You know, you can attend a Zoom event from anywhere. Before our events were in person, and now they're on Zoom. Uh, we're we're going to slowly go back to in person events, but our events are still on Zoom. But I think that you're right that there are competing events on campus, like there are other competing events in the community that are going to, you know, be, you know, competing with our events. And that is completely normal, you know, yes. um, <laughs> you know, there's nothing you can do about it. But I think that what's important is that the event that you are creating and the different promotional material that you are developing really needs to respond to what users want and not what you want, but, but what users want. So totally agree. I've been finding that out as my career progresses in, in marketing, because I get to focus solely on marketing. I'm pretty fortunate that my library has a position uh, dedicated just to that and That's I know great. a lot of libraries don't, so um, I know I'm I'm super grateful. But I'm curious. Um, I want to go back to what you said about you being in charge of the events. Do do your colleagues fill out a form, or do they just send you an email with all of the information, and then you just input it into whatever calendar software that your university library uses? So we, we have a marketing interest group. We have a, I'm going to say it's not, it's not a committee. It's like an, it's like a marketing interest group and it comprises me and the, the, the web, we have a web librarian. Like we have a, we have a librarian that is responsible for the website. Oh, and that's nice. She, um, she's also responsible for Twitter. So in other words, 
uh, she she maintains Twitter, which has a different message than yes, it does. <laughs> very different than like I I do fa- I do I'm responsible for Facebook and Instagram. Now I I am on sabbatical this year, so I am I am away from my full time job for an entire year mm. because I am working on my on completing my PhD. Um, and my PhD is not in library science. My PhD is in education. So I'm working on completing that. Uh, I don't know if I'll complete it, but I am I am away for a year. So normally, normally, I would be responsible for promoting something on Facebook and Instagram. And then she mm-hmm. would promote it on like on um, uh, on Twitter. And then she is she maintains the website. But I maintain the slideshow. So there's a slideshow uh, on our homepage. Oh, okay. And the slideshow, yeah, so I maintain the slideshow. So the slideshow has digital digital slides that mm. I create on Canva. So um, I'm going to call it, I'm going to call it like digital signage, like digital signage. It's digital slides on a slideshow that's created on Canva where we promote, you know, services, resources, events, um, exhibits, different types of like library services. So basically we have a, 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 an events calendar, which we also promote. It's a, it's an events public calendar. We also have a private calendar that's for the staff, staff internet. Mm-hmm. It's also promoted on our blog, which we use uh, lib ads, which, which, which kind of, it looks like a newsletter. It looks like a newsletter. Okay. Um, it's not updated the same way that like a weekly newsletter would be updated or a monthly newsletter. It is updated like blog, like blog post by blog post. And the advantage is Mm. you can repurpose a blog post because it has a unique URL. You can repurpose it and you can like, you can actually forward it on social media because each blog post is like a separate article. So it could be repurposed and it could be shared on different platforms. So it can be shared on the website, it can be shared on Twitter, it can be shared. So it's like, it's not like, I'm not linking to the entire newsletter, I'm linking to that specific article. So that blog post is, we use, and for, we have email marketing, but we, we, don't have specific software we go through the university um, okay we go through the university's uh like bro- broadcasting system and when we broadcast it we bro- we can broadcast it to a specific groups so we can broadcast it only to faculty only to students like so we do have we do have some choices as to which segments we're going to target that message to so i would say that um we we meet as a as an interest group to discuss the planning for a specific event so right now we're doing a three event books um band band and challenge books week we're doing a series of events we have okay. um, a, vir- a virtual panel discussion with our lo- three local um branches of the new york public library so the new york public library we have invited three branches with librarians to participate in a virtual panel where that's fantastic participants will will also have an opportunity to read out passages of text from band and challenge books we have an event with one of our librarians who is going to talk about the historical origins of banned and challenged books and show a film clip for a film clip from the movie Storm Center with Betty Davis. Mm. And so that's going to be on Zoom. And then we have monthly, we have um, the New York Public Library, which is our public library system for for so 
New York City is complicated. New, New York City has five boroughs. <laughs> we have five boroughs. Yes. The, the New York the New York Public Library only covers the boroughs of Staten Island, Manhattan, and the Bronx. So that's three okay. out of five boroughs. And then Queens has a separate system called the Queens Public Library. It's a separate mm -hmm. system. And then Brooklyn has its own separate system. So uh, it's it's very complicated because New York City, which has five boroughs, have three separate systems, which does not make any sense at all. Does not make, it's, one, it's one city, it's one city, but we have three different uh, systems. So the New York Public Library system, which comprises Staten Island, Bronx, and Manhattan, we invite them every month to visit our library for library car card signups. So in celebration oh, nice. of library card signups is, is this month, it's September. So for yeah. September, we have them visiting our library to solicit new library card signups. But they're coming in September because it's library card signup, but they come every month. I invite them okay. every month. So this is That's a collaboration. Nice. Yeah, we've been doing this. I've been I've been in I've been responsible for this collaboration for about eight years. So we've been doing this for eight years. They they come every month. So and it's it's really great to promote the public library, and they do it like it's good for us because we're promoting the public library. It's good for them because they're promoting yes. the public <laughs> library to college students. So I think it benefits both of us. Honestly, I I think I represent some of the public libraries and that um, they wish their local schools. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm not thrown any shade or anything because I know teachers are busy and and everything but um we wish they would seek us out so we could have a nice collaboration like that <laughs> yeah I think I I think that like I I do recommend that you know you develop a relationship with if if you are in a city or community near uh you know a a, a two-year college or a four-year college or or any kind or or even i mean we i've developed relationships with local high schools so that means that we have high schools that visit the library for a tour they will also visit for a um, a bigger like a, a deeper type of like orientation session where it's mm, not just okay. a tour but it's like a it's more of, of a instructional session but we also have high school students that come for classes so That's they very have nice. they have like in, you know informational literacy classes that I give so I mentioned that I'm also an informational literacy teacher so that means that my department we teach a, we teach an information literacy course so uh we I, I wear i have to say i wear multiple hats so yes know, I, i'm on I'm a on lot of us do uh, yeah and i think that i think that's just, that's that's a general that's a general pattern with like with library workers you know where we wear multiple hats where you know we sit on the reference desk some of us sit on the circulation desk some of us you know we do a lot of like liaison work where we are collaborating and we're acting as like pr people with different mm -hmm. you know different kind different user groups and then you know we're also involved in you know maintaining the website developing content for the newsletter developing lib guides and you know teaching in a classroom teaching on the reference desk teaching on you know virtual chat because you know virtual you know virtual reference can also can be a teaching opportunity not always but it can be so yes. I, you know i recognize <laughs> that we wear multiple hats so i I'm primarily a reference librarian who's on the reference desk sometimes. I'm involved in one-on-one -on -one consultations. I do teach an informational literacy class in my department, and I'm also the marketing outreach person.
you know, so we, we do a lot of things. We do a lot of things. So. I think that should be a library's slogan. We do a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think we, we wear, we wear so many, we wear multiple hats that we have like, we have kind of like mixed identity is where like, really, I would, I would argue that a lot of us, like, we don't really know what a lot of a lot of the community doesn't really know what we do and i think our roles are so different we have we have a librarian who just works on the website and so like that's very very different than what i do you know like yes she, she works on the website she she is an administrator for like lib apps so she does like all the lib guides and she's an administrator for lib guides and she's also the administrator for the um this the staff internet so like that's like very techie that's very very techie and that's very different than you know another librarian who it doesn't do those things we have you know we have we have an emerging technologies librarian who focuses on you know identifying oh, emerging, that's amazing. Em emerging technology so that we can teach better and that we can offer you know it's mostly i i would say it's probably identifying emerging technology so that we can teach better and that we could you know so students can learn better but you know her ro her role is also very 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 unique and very specific so, but it's very different than what I do. Very, very different. So, so I realize we're, we're eight minutes away or yeah, seven minutes away from an hour. And I could totally ask you more questions and take up your whole day, but, um, we can always do a part two if you want, if you ever oh, want to do yeah. a part two, that's fine too. Oh, that would be fantastic. I would love yeah. to do a part two. Um, yeah, but if you want, no are problem. you going to be at the Library Marketing Communications Conference this year? Yeah, I'm presenting. Oh, excellent. <laughs> yeah, and not only that, I've been I've been going. Um, I was I was part of the the founding committee, so I'm 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 no longer on the planning committee, but I was part of the founding committee of people that started that conference and i i was involved in the planning for many years i'm no longer involved in the planning um because now there, there's like a separate it's like a separate kind of a separate nonprofit group that is responsible mm -hmm. and and so i'm not really part of that anymore but um i i've, I've attended every year um even during covid when it was virtual right but i've attended yes. every year and i and i i've presented many i've presented many years at and i'm presenting this year so well that's fantastic i i definitely want to attend your session but uh okay i guess so we'll, we'll we'll meet it we'll meet in person then well, yes we will yes yeah. i will i will totally like wave at you and everything so <laughs> In closing, I just want to say um, thank you again, and I definitely want to do a part two, and I want sure. to wish you good luck on your PhD. You're totally going to finish, and where can people find you. you online? Um, so my um, my website is markaaronpolger.com. I can send that send you the URL um, after this podcast is recorded. I can send you uh, yeah. So it's just my my full name, uh, markaaronpolger.com, and um, I don't like in terms of my social media, a lot of it, like Facebook, Facebook is more like for like family things. So I don't really, mm -hmm. I don't really post professionally on Facebook. Um, I think I post mostly professionally um, on, on Twitter. Cause I do post like okay. library stuff on Twitter and my Instagram is mostly just food. So it's not, it's not like that professional, <laughs> but um, yeah, I also, I am also editor in chief and founder of the first 
um, open access scholarly uh, journal devoted to the marketing of libraries. So if you Google marketing libraries journal, very different than the marketing libraries newsletter, um, Kathy Dempsey, who is another library marketing expert, is the founder and editor-in-chief of MLS, which is Marketing Library Services, which is a professional library marketing newsletter. I am founder and editor-in-chief for the last five years of MLJ. MLJ is Marketing Libraries Journal, which is an open access scholarly journal devoted to the uh, marketing of libraries. It is the first library marketing academic journal. So I am editor-in-chief and founder of that journal, and we publish articles twice a year. That is awesome. And and I just have to say that uh, everything you are doing for libraries, especially with the journal and your books, so helpful. So thank you so much. Great. Um, and I'm thank you so much for, for pushing my <laughs> thank you for for showing showing everyone my book. It's a it's a beautiful book. It, it's called Library Marketing Basics. It was published in 2019. It's a big 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 book. It's about 330 pages, but I think it provides a really good 101, a really good introduction to library yes. marketing, especially for beginners. And I think it's so I think it's a really good um a really good introductory text for people who are new to library marketing so uh, you can find it on amazon it's published by roman and littlefield and it was published in 2019 so it's not that old it's not that old but no I, I was reading it um because i'm Great. going to present at my local michigan library association conference Great. in Great. October, which I'm a little nervous, but also super excited about. Um, so yes, I will definitely be citing you in my presentation. Wonderful. And then the um, the most recent book, which came out in November, is called Library Signage and Wayfinding Design. It also has a beautiful cover and it's published by nice. ALA Editions. It's also on Amazon as well. And that one is a smaller book. But it's also like the my books are very, very um they're they're not intimidating. They're really easy to read. They're like very easy to read and very oh, yes. practical. They're I like, second they're, that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm actually working on another book right now. So I have a book Ooh. contract to work on another book. So excellent. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait for it. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna take a while to be finished because I'm also working on my PhD and my dissertation. Yes. So uh that those are two big projects which are going to be like, again, slow and steady. But I do have a book contract to work on another book that relates more to um, digital marketing. So more like, oh on, like on, on, yeah, more like focusing specifically on on online marketing techniques and tools for so, so I would say like dig, digital marketing for libraries. Oh, that Let's is see. so needed. So yeah. yes, I, I mean, yeah, take your time. We definitely need that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It was well, wonderful to chat and nice to yes. meet you. Sorry about my that camera. <laughs> not a problem at all. Not a problem at all. So um, I can always, again, email you um, maybe look at a few links so that um, yes. folks can reach out to me and contact me and I can send you my email address. And um, after this podcast is finished recording, I can just send you an email with all this information. That's perfect. I would a part two would be fine. A part two would be fine. It's not a problem. Yes, I would love to. Not a problem. We can talk about so like we can talk about a different 
something a different topic that relates to marketing maybe we can talk about signage or we can talk about something that is you know a, a practical library topic that relates to marketing i'm happy to talk about it well thank you so much mark we will definitely do that <laughs> great excellent thank you for having me and please keep in touch thank you so much i will have a good anyway, day thank you take care bye bye bye